Yes. Heaven high. Heaven high. Creepy, creepy, crawly, crawly, creepy, creepy, crawly, crawly. He's come to a sticky end. Don't think he will ever mend. Never more will he crawl round. He's embedded in the ground. Boris the spider. Boris the spider. A great uh, hit there just popped into my mind from the who. Lady Hale has declared the proroguing of uh, rum doings was illegal. It is, so we get to come back. So here we are. Indeed, rum doings was in fact being recorded all the time continuously for the last two weeks. If you go back and listen to the end of the last episode, it just carried on. Exactly. That that bit where we were prorogued, it was basically just a blank MP3. This is true. How you doing? Yeah, me too. How about me? Um, well, what I'm pleased about is that at least there's a little bit of levity. Who'd have thought that it would have been a court of law that brought a bit of sunshine into our lives? It was a lovely moment, wasn't it? Did you enjoy it? Lovely, but you've forgotten that this episode is the Rum Doings podcast of the episode 266. Episode 266 of the Rum Doings franchise podcast at rumdoings.com at rumdoings. TM. TM. Yep. At Rum Doings on Twitter, where you can ask us all sorts of questions and we'll probably, if I'm being honest, just ignore you, but still ask them because it'll make you feel significant and that's what matters. Hmm. Yeah, I I would recommend, by the way, that everybody (sighs) read the judgment because unusually... Well, you have to by law. Yeah, but it's only... The the lawyer lady said that you had to read it. So if you don't read it, you go to prison. Exactly. It's only 24 pages, but also unusually for... uh, Well, not that unusually, as I'll discuss, but... uh, Oh, get uh, you. Make your mind up, man. Unusually for most legal documents, it's actually perfectly readable. Have Have you actually tried reading it yet? No, I listened to it live. No, the actual judgment, not the summary, you idiot. Oh, no, I haven't read it yet. No. Uh, you, you may be very pleasantly surprised how easy it is to read and it explains exactly what prorogation is, how it differs from the other ways that Parliament can be suspended and so on. And it builds upon that to actually... Oh, to, to, goodness to, gracious. Stop. That, that, that's more disruptive than the thing itself. Um, to... Uh, actually to discuss uh, how it came to be this, this judgment. And it's interesting, this, it's the way common law should work in that when you, usually with common law, you've got precedents, lots of quite easy precedents, which judges just kind of build together like Lego, and that's how they come to their ruling. But if you've got a truly novel situation, they have to use a little bit more logic, a little bit more plain language to kind of explain the philosophy and the, the the jurisdictional building blocks that they're using to uh, make this new judgment come alive. And that's what they've done. Ironically, bearing in mind how, oh, this is an unprecedented constitutional coup. The first precedent that they did mention was actually from the 14th century. So, yeah, um, this novel territory upon which uh, the court should dare to walk has, in fact, been roamed upon for 650 years, John. So there we are. Um, uh, I don't know why I would need to do any of this when I've got the front page of the Daily Express in front of me on the t- on my internet screen. What well, what does it say? It says unlawful. What's lawful about denying seventeen point four m- Brexit? Well, if the uh, <laughs> Daily Express had actually read the judgment, they would have seen it explicitly mentioned that it would have been perfectly lawful for Parliament utterly to ignore the referendum. 
Because that's the law. Of course. You know, the law that we wanted to take back control of. It does say, of course, morally and politically, it would be a problem to deal with, uh, to ignore it. But the Supreme Parliament can ignore what the hell it wants to ignore. That's the whole point. And that was apparently what we were supposed to be fighting for. And as James O'Brien put the irony here, that a British court of law, apparently utterly unhindered by the European Union, is able to make these laws uh, to defend those who are trying to prevent the British Parliament from actually enacting those laws in Britain, uh, who apparently are the ones who were proclaiming this Brexit to protect the very things they're now attacking, is, is a very Alice in Wonderland sort of situation we've got ourselves into here. It, um, the only thing left to be said is that, I, I, are you sitting down? Um, actually, I am. Okay. I, I will need to break to this, this to you gently. Your upstanding Christian member of parliament is a little bit of a disappointment, John. How dare you? He's Jesus incarnate. As I mentioned before, um, you remember when he was just this bit part player in this podcast? Yes, you my local just, MP. You just talk wacky. About- Lord Snooty Beano character. When was the first time that you actually encountered him? Was there a, a, a actual a, a lecture or a, a, a seminar or, or just a, a debate or something locally? No, the very first time I encountered him was the church fate. Well, but I, I know that you did the church fate, but wasn't there a, a more formal place where you well, met well, him? Well, the where... 2015, Hus- was it? No, hang on. When was the last general election? 1872. 1872, the hustings for that was the first time I saw him speak in public. Right. But when he was gasp inducingly evil, like literally there were gasps in the room how evil he was. The the, the soup kitchen thing. I mean, that he's gone on today to call it a, what does he call it? A judicial or constitutional coup or whatever. Very childish. Constitutional coup. Yeah. Very, very childish. As I pointed out on Twitter, you know, at this point, you really need, even if you don't believe it, your only self-protective mechanism is to feign humility. You know, if I were their PR companies, I would say, look, what you need to go out, you need to say, in our enthusiasm to uh, respect the will of the people, we lost sight of something bigger. And that is, you can't play fast and loose with Britain's constitution. It's a lesson that is well learned and something that we on both sides of the aisle need to take heed of. And the robustness of which this lesson was placed to us all is a testament to the great values of the British constitution and its judiciary. And it is exactly that which we wish to protect yeah, yeah, but via that, Brexit. Yeah, that's very that's well, but that's just a with... It's just a wordy way of saying that they were wrong and they're not going to say that. No, but they need to. Humility. You as a Christian need to know that one of the most powerful things, uh, PR things, that these pastors who are caught buggering a, a boy or stealing money can do is they say, I sinned, but I now have repented. I'm born again. That, that I understand, again yes. And, and, I don't, and you don't need to explain the, the Christian ethics to me. But the but the point I'm making is they are not going to say not they are wrong because Christian now that ethics. is I'm to say about... you are wrong is perceived as the greatest weakness in the eyes of your no, supporters. No, no, th- well, that's where I think you're no, wrong. Because if they say they're wrong, they are saying that 17.4 million people are no, wrong. No, well. no, you missed the point. You say we were we were right to support the will of the people, but we shouldn't have used that. We were so excited and we were so <laughs> we were so we were so keen. And so determined we to press ahead. We love Great Britain so much. Exactly. You, you get, we had such passion. 
that Not crying we, a bit. That, that, exactly that 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 we 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 used every tool we had in the box, and we 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 shouldn't have used that one tool. That's all they would have needed to have done, and and that, I think that rhetorically would have worked. Can I just say that something very offensive has occurred? What? That we haven't introduced a topic. Oh, what's the topic? The topic this week is I'm talking like when Radio Four. Uh, they're yeah. coming up. The Radio Four continuity announcer is coming up to the top of the hour, but suddenly notices there's seven more seconds than he thought. Or also, and they realise that their actual continuity script is underneath the pile of papers rather than on top of it. Yeah. So no, no, I'm just talking about when they realise there's quite a lot of time left. So yeah. you're listening to Radio Four on the BBC. <laughs> The B- it's seven o'clock. <laughs> yes. Um... Anyway, the topic but, this but, week but, is. But, but they do uh, that. Nick, this topic is so good. They do that, don't they? Thank you. Thank you. Carry on. <laughs> it's really worth interrupting me. Yes. This is, this is so good. I want you to sort of hold on to something tight. Okay. Ready. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. The topic this week is. Why don't they kick the can't down the road? <laughs> yeah, that is a wheeze-inducing joke. Okay, John, can you um, introduce? Can, I, can intru- I top that? No, I can't. No, can you can you introduce the topic again? But this yeah. time, do it like that Radio Four continuity announcer who knows that he's left a bit too much time again. I don't think that really makes sense. No, just do it again. So you you thought you had three seconds, but you've looked and you've actually got eight. I, I, I need to understand the, the bit perfectly. Am I delaying until I say what the topic is, or am I dragging the topic out? Well, you are you are this BBC continuity announcer, and you thought that you had three seconds to announce the topic, but you've looked at the clock and actually see that you've got eight, nearly nine seconds to announce the topic. Before okay. the before the hour and begin. Now, the time, the topic, which it ah, oh, good work. And I registered what some. There you go. So actually, the today program the clock, joke for all the faithful today listeners. The clock on the studio wall was slow, so it wasn't actually wrong. You should have. How did you make pips? Your... I want to know how you did it. Oh, I I just squeaked them. <laughs> There's a little button on your arm. <laughs> Doesn't everybody have their own pip <laughs> generator? How can you tell the time otherwise? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Why don't they kick the can't down the road? You get it, uh, Emmanuel. I had an alternative topic in case that one was too good and I couldn't use it because I was scared that everyone was going to die. How good it was, or in case Lady Hale struck down that topic. Distract indeed. A yeah. spider uses laser beam eyes to destroy oh, stop it. the spider. Yeah, carry on. Here we go. Here's an alternate. Here's the alternate universe topic. Go on. It's then. quite good. Okay, go on. Like if we'd done this at the beginning of the episode properly, and I just dropped this one in, and we hadn't said anything about it, I think it would have been okay. Mm-hmm. Right, you ready? Yeah. Why don't we just replace Parliament with what Brenda from Bristol thinks? <laughs> See, that's not bad. As the topic goes, she's not from Bristol. She's from Leeds. Is she really? Yes. Well, she's Brenda from Bristol in my heart. 
she's she's Brenda from Leeds who that who that went to Cambridge and then was involved in law. In other words, it's especially Victoria. Oh, that can't be true. I don't believe you. I'm afraid it is. No. Yep. I think Brenda from Bristol is just being is she's a, a mentally ill child being controlled by her parents. Fair enough. That's what I think. Oh goodness! Have you explained to Toby what's been going on then? Uh, I mean that completely facetiously. But you know, have you thought I, this is an interesting challenge to see if you can actually get these complex yes. things out, explained to a small kid? Is a useful challenge sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And we have uh, Brexit. Yes, not what's been happening this week though, because he's he's just started school and there isn't time for anything now because the government has my child instead of me now. Yes. So have you how have you explained Brexit to him? Um, we said that there's a club called the European Union. Uh, same thing we said to Judith in 2016, yep. yeah. And there are lots of countries that are in this club and they all work together in the club. And they don't all agree with each other, like, blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh-huh. Um, but Britain wants to, lots of, Britain has had a vote and lots of people want to leave the club and just be on their own and not play with the others. Yeah. Um, and lots of people want to stay in the club. And then uh, he says that leaving the club sounds like a really silly idea. But did you explain why the people want to leave the club? Because just staying alone and not playing with the others is not fair. I mean, if you use, if you say, some people think that the club's rules are too strict. And I can't honestly don't remember what we said at the time. So some people think that the rules of the club are too strict and they want to be able to play other games where the club says, you can't play those games while you're a member of this club. So they say, OK, well, then I don't want to be a member of that club. I want to play with lots of other people outside of the club. That Except that's not, that's not, would say. that would be a very disingenuous explanation. Yeah, but the, that's, leave, that's exactly how Leave UK has explained it. Yeah, because I would say that the reason people want to leave the club is they don't like the colour of other people's skin. No, that's Even rude. though everyone else in the club has the same colour skin as them, that doesn't seem to be a fact. Excuse me, excuse me, what colour is a Romanian skin? They're very pale, John, and they hate them the most. I, that's literally what I just said. I know. Um... Yeah, I think this is, and I, I think this. Are you ready for what I think? On your marks, get set, go. Think. Um, the, the whole debate, the whole issue, is completely stifled in a to a point of uselessness because we don't just say the one thing that is true, go which on. is that the people who voted leave are a, a combination of racist or stupid, and at best ill informed. And the people who voted remain are smart and amenable. That's the metropolitan elite talking, and that's exactly. But what exactly, so but yeah. it isn't. That's just the facts. And as this is played out by, if you look at, if you listen to anyone's justification, if you just you know listen to James O'Brien's LBC show, um, listen to any vox pop ever on the subject, and it's either stupidity or racism. Those are the two justifications. D- that's it. it. Uh, no, I would say all sentimentality. Well, you that's know, stupidity. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is even when you look at people who claim to be intellectual, like Daniel Hannan, um, uh, profoundly stupid and illogical arguments are used. I mean, there is a, uh, how would you, ex- what would you explain Corbyn's uh, Brexiteer views then? Uh, stu- well, he's stupid, obviously. Yes. Um, no, but, no, and uh, yes, I recognise that there, there are others, like for instance, Lexitive. For, for all his many sins, Jacob Rees-Rogg, Jacob's whatever his name is, is not stupid. No, um, he's financially motivated. Yeah, because he doesn't want because of the um, 
the the anti-tax avoidance uh, EU legislation that comes into play next year. That's why they need to leave this year. Sharpish. That's why it's such an urgent no yes. deal. And and so, yeah. and but even if you know they're not shorting the pound or any of these conspiracy theories, but they are um, they are financially motivated by it and yes, racist well. at the same time. And racism is is in there as well. They don't like all these dirty foreigners coming in and taking our jobs. I don't know about that because it's a bit like when the Republican Party would go on about racism, but actually they were massively pro-Mexican illegal immigration because it's what gave their donor companies the cheap labor that they needed. And I think we're in a similar situation here. I think that's not quite the case. Uh, look, any any right-wing government could have stopped uh, immigration at the levels that had happened at any time. And the fact that they don't and haven't in the last 20 years tells all the empirical story that it needs to. Well, that's um, what's so interesting about Trump, isn't it? That he, that the um, the rhetoric is completely separate from the action, mm-hmm. but Trump doesn't understand that. He actually thinks the rhetoric is real and acts yeah. on it, which is yeah. why he's such a bizarre and novel president. And also why uh, the establishment actually really didn't want him because they didn't rea- he didn't realise that's not how you're supposed to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, I, there are also people like Corbyn and other left-wing Brexiteers who see the European Union as a kind of neoliberal uh, free trade capitalists club, uh, and they think that it means that it prevents us from entering the socialist, exceptionalist socialist utopia that we wish to enter, and we could if it weren't for these meddling German multi-corporations that stop us from so doing. You know, things like, but yeah, how does that not just get instantly filed under stupid? Uh, because the European Union is to a mixture of things, but one of the big components of it is a neoliberal multinational capitalist club. Uh, for example, if you look at occasionally where we say, well, couldn't we just cross-subsidize the railways or do this, that, and the other, and say, no, that, w- that wouldn't be allowed under EU competition law. You can't uh, do things to nationalize industries in the way that you might necessarily want to, and so on. And that's what uh, Corbyn's, and indeed, the Labour, that was the Labour Party's opposition to it from the start. It was seen effectively as a big uh, bankers and businessmen's trading club, which indeed the EEC, remember it was the EEC, not the EC, mm-hmm. uh, was. That's what it was. It was a free market of trade that allowed you, and, and the opposition to it was the same opposition that left-wing people in America have to things like NAFTA. You know, All these big global free trade clubs are exactly what, quote, globalism, quote, is all about and what people oppose. They say, no, we need to look after local people and local workers and uh, and uh, we can't uh, just treat everything as if it were one blank uh, spreadsheet and decide where to, to move the numbers across without taking heed of local conditions and requirements and rights and so forth. Now, of course, the reasonable person will say that is correct, but it's tempered by things like the social charter, the social chapter, uh, human human rights regulations, um, uh, food safety and animal welfare regulations and things like that. But for people like Corbyn, uh, that's not enough. That's a sticking plaster on the festering wound that is the neoliberal tight jacket that is uh, straight, sorry, straight jacket that is the the European economic community in his mind that it still is and that's the argument that left-wingers make about the uh, the eu and yes you can say it's simplistic but it's not stupid it's just okay. 
it I think it just distills one aspect of it. I would agree with that to an extent. I think there are problems with the EU and that it, it You don't of, think the EU is perfect and no, yet you're a Remainer. I don't I don't No, no, but I what understand. I think I, I almost I agree with what they say. I think it does kind of inflict upon the um continent a kind of one size fit all fits all notion of what an economy and a political uh, arrangement should be, which I suspect could stifle kind of innov- political and economic innovation and creativity. It's like, imagine if you had to, if all video games suddenly had to use the same game engine, even though it was a really good gaming engine, and they all had to use the same algorithms and the same physics engine, and had to use the same platform for keeping score and all that kind of stuff. You say, yeah, that's a good thing. Finally, we don't have to worry about all those, uh, reinvent the wheel every time we do it. On the other hand, Maybe after ten or twenty years, you suddenly wonder why everything was a bit samey, and I think that's that's true. I'm glad that you put that in a way that my brain could understand. Yeah, I thought I think I needed to, and that's mm-hmm. I think that that's true with with political uh, and economic unions as well. Um, and and to a degree, the problems that we see in the United States are are like that, aren't they? Um, you why you, you know people in Europe say why the hell can't they just get a um, uh, the equivalent of Medicare for all or, the, or a health service when almost every other country in the world did it at least you know 50 years ago and that kind of very large widespread political homogeneity with a written constitution kind of allows that sort of thing to happen to a degree the the brilliant thing about the UK unwritten constitution is exactly the same thing that it's frustrating thing is it sometimes just lets you make stuff up on the fly and that can actually be quite useful. Um, and sometimes if you have too much prescriptivism, it can be a little stifling. So I would say that's why I, I kind of think the worst case scenario is something like Theresa May's deal. Uh, because it kind of sort of locks us into the rules without any potential of in being involved in the evolution of those rules. So it takes the worst aspects of being a member of the, the businessman's club. Uh, it gets rid of some of the tempering aspects of it, like, you know, the free movement and the social chapter and all those kinds of things. And uh, and yet it doesn't give us any right to make hideous and interesting creative mistakes all on our own. And that's why when I said either I want to remain a full member of the European Union or I want the hardest Brexit ever, I meant it. Because whilst I don't want the hardest Brexit ever, at least that opens up the small scintilla of a possibility of something revolutionary and interesting to happen to emerge from the hideous rubble that will initially take place. So that's my opinion. What's yours, John? Um, I just just think they should just get on with it. I don't. Why? Why can't they just get on with it? The people are sick and tired of all of this sick. nonsense. Do you know what? When and when I go knocking on doors, Nicholas, yes, they're not interested in talking about Brexit to me. They're interested in talking about the NHS, the about bins, education, the about buses, um, bit bit bins and telephone poles. Yeah, and the, the grey squirrels in the parks. <laughs> yes, that's right. Exactly. That's what the the normal, the people, the normal want to talk about. The people, normal. So why don't they just? Why don't they just get on with it? They should just why get on with just, it. I'm sick and tired. When I have an object on a yeah. surface, yes, and I knock it, it falls to the ground. <sighs> and why don't they just get on with stopping that gravity? It's these Newtonian elitists. 
<laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. I'm tired of these physics experts telling us that that's inevitable. We're Britain. We don't fall for such fatalistic nonsense. We are a proud country that can evolve and change and rely on our tradition to make things fly up into the air continually if we wanted to. Who's to I, say? To change the subject, uh huh. I sent out a couple of uh, interesting emails last week to people. Sounds like something the liberal elite would do. Yeah, yep. carry on. Suggesting ideas for ways they could give me money, capitalist liberal elite. Uh-huh. Were they in and, Europe, these people? Uh, they are. Uh, no. Yes. One is in Europe currently before we relocate the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. One is in um, the colonies. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. But, but still a part of the common law then. Which colony is it? The, the, the former colonies, the Americas. Oh, they still use the common law, so that's fine. Yeah. That's true, but not the common... Sorry, I misheard you. I thought you said commonwealth. Yeah, no, common law, not wealth. Indeed. No. Unless anyway, it's the common, unless, are, of course, um, it's the, unless, of course, it's the commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is a commonwealth. Is it? It's not called a state, actually. It's called the commonwealth of Massachusetts. Ah, actually, ah. you must be... That must be a fun one for pub quizzes. It is. Anyway, you carry on, boy. You carry on with your wonderful anecdote here. Yeah, go on, son. Bring it home. <laughs> it's good. It's a good anecdote, too. It's got such a good punchline. I can't wait. Oh, so every time there's a little one on my inbox, uh-huh. I think, oh, could it finally be the reply I'm waiting for? And the could, one that just could arrived. Toby be, could Toby be having dinner tonight? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can we finally claw our way out of this bin? Um, and it was an email from my accountant saying I need to send her my accounts. Have you sent her your account? No, it's the worst. No, otherwise, why would you send that email? It couldn't oh. have been a worse thing. Oh, there is a worse thing. Uh, no, have, there isn't. A, Even a cancer no, diagnosis sent no, by email. No, no, be I, I've got a worse thing than a cancer diagnosis. Being told to do my taxes. No, I've got a worse thing than a cancer diagnosis sent by our email. I've got the Guardian live politics stream up, and uh, 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 Diane Abbott's big face has just appeared. Um, <laughs> Racist. Yeah. Her big, big, big face with a stupid hairstyle. Who told her that was a good idea? Uh, Actually, that was me. Okay, well, change that mind. (sighs) Anyway, she said the Labour Party is very benevolent. (laughs) Good. We want to be benevolent, she said. There you go. I like the thing. Did you see the flyer that was going around yesterday? Um, the anti-Jew the one? Men- huh? What? There was an anti-Jew flyer, but uh, there was another one. I don't know. Well, it had it managed to be that. That's that's where I was going with this. Let me find it. It's on Ian Dunt's Twitter stream. So I'm only going to have to scroll 7 million times to get to it. There was a thing saying, smash the Jews at the uh, Jewish Labour at the Labour Party conference in a leaflet. But I don't know if it's that one. What's there? Mm-hmm. That's nice. I mean, we could try smashing them. Try before, or they'd just come back again like cockroaches. Here it is. The Shun Tom Watson Support Jeremy Corbyn leaflet. <sighs> um, sadly, they never got to shun Tom Watson because they shunned Tom Watson. Oh, gosh. Get a speech cancelled in order that Jeremy Corbyn could do a speech before he had to go to work today. Oh, <laughs> no. 
Have you noticed yet Jeremy Corbyn's emphysemic wheezing that I've told everybody to watch out for in between sentences? No, I really <clears> haven't. But then he hasn't hasn't haven't really had the opportunity. I didn't listen to his t- conference speech because I can't stand the clapping. It's like was watching a- an American late night talk show. Oh, he was terrible, terrible, terrible. A uh, conference speech anyway, was really bad. Th- anyway, so Shanton Watson support Jeremy Corbyn. Uh-huh. Um. Tom Watson is right about one thing. There is indeed a battle for the future of the Labour Party. And he is on the wrong side! Exclamation mark. From the day that Jeremy Corbyn was elected leader of the Labour Party, Tom Watson has done everything in his power to sabotage and undermine him. He helped to coordinate both coups against Corbyn, tried to prevent Corbyn standing in the second leadership contest, claims that there is a culture of permissiveness over anti-Semitism in the party and has publicly bullied General Secretary Jenny Formby when she was undergoing chemotherapy. Invisible parentheses, we're so glad she's got cancer. Um, this actually so all did... makes me feel feel far more uh, respect for Tom Watson than I thought. Yeah, if yeah. all those things are true, then well yeah. done. So today we want to show with a variety of actions that Tom Watson does not speak for us, exclamation mark, if he cannot support the leadership of which he is a part, as he was elected to do by the members, he should resign his position immediately. Many delegates and visitors in the hall want to walk out. Others may stay and sing, oh, Jeremy Corbyn. Others want to boycott Watson's speech altogether. Yeah, unlike Jeremy Corbyn, who was always so loyal to his leadership. That's right. Anyway, so that what's lovely is then they have a little list of their priorities, right? So more than uh, 1,300 people from 400 CLPs already support Lala A, as do over 20 national and local Labour left organisations. We believe there is an urgent need to build a democratic, transparent and socialist Labour left alliance. So that, here we go, here are their bullet points. Mm -hmm. organises democratically and transparently, both supports Corbyn against attacks by the right and is independent and able to criticise the leadership when necessary. Ah. Imagine. But also, except not criticise because you get get attacked just like they've said here, which is ironic. They would immediately start punching themselves in the face if they did that. Okay, next. Campaigns for the implementation of trigger ballots as a step toward mandatory reselection. Lovely, because that's what the country is crying out for right now. Yep, 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 yep. And then opposes racism, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and all other forms of discrimination. All, oh, that's a way of putting it, because that's, yeah, okay, yeah. Hmm. But it's uh, good, right? It says that they want, they're openly saying they want to oppose anti-Semitism. With that right? in mind, let's see what they mean that, because what I'm doing is I've just sent you Oh, no, a no, link. no, wait, you don't even need to wait, because there's another bullet point okay. coming up. Yeah. Next one. Opposes attempts to conflate anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. Uh-huh. Uh, they couldn't do it. They got. They put it in there. We're going to oppose anti-Semitism. Oh no! The next bullet point. Oh, we didn't mean it. John, take a look at the graph that I've just sent you. It's not a data wrangler. Look and see what brings out the Twitter lights. If you're a member of the shadow cabinet, some of you will have seen this excellent grappy by Juicy Jew on what it is that excites Corbyn followers. Well, being a data nerd, I went one step further. What is it that brings in the likes if you're a member of the Shadow Cabinet? Read on to find out. Goodness gracious me, Israel-Palestine does bring in the likes. (laughs) It's like an order of magnitude greater than Brexit, (laughs) than public services, health workers, uh, industry, etc. Yep, and then if you look, and then if you scroll down, 
Labour shadow cabinet tweets categorized by average likes per tweet. So uh, Israel Palestine had nearly 15,000 likes. The next, which looks at about 1,000 likes, was Boris Tories, then Brexit. Then if you scroll down to the third tweet underneath that. Yeah. Labour shadow cabinet tweets on countries uh, excluding the UK by total likes. Um, nearly 3,000 <laughs> for Israel and about three for Iran and then nothing else, etc. It's almost like they have a kind of obsession, John. I don't, how dare you? How mm. dare you conflate anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism? How dare you? Oh, anyway, there you go. It's, so, look, you'd have an argument if it I weren't would. the case that Israel is the only country on earth doing anything wrong right now. Actually, you, you do have a point. Yeah. You do have a point. Also, I was thinking that if Hitler had been allowed to kill all the Jews, we wouldn't even have this problem at all. Well, that's a point that I've often made. Yeah. You know, and it's a point that my great friend um, uh, Ken Livingston tried to make and then was uh, destroyed by the um, uh, by the liberal Rothschild elite. Zionist liberal elite. Yeah. <laughs> Them, those baddies again. Yeah. Anyway... That's the way things always happen. So, so predictions. Um, obviously, obviously, uh, he's not going to resign, is he? Our, our old friend Bojo. He's not going to resign, is he? Of course, Pardon in me. In, in any rational time, he would have resigned. But he's <laughs> of not course, gonna, yeah, yeah, of course, he's not going to resign. So, what's going to happen? Um, he's going to try to do the uh, vote of no confidence is Corbyn eventually just going to fall into that trap I mean he's saying he wouldn't but it's like a, a kitten being told not to play with a ball of wool that's next to its little claw I mean is he going to be able to resist to resist what sorry proroguing again no is Corbyn going to be able to resist oh the... sorry no no he'll fall headfirst into that trap he's so vain yeah and and then I think that Johnson will get a small majority with, uh, or, or certainly go into alliance with the Brexit party. The, 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 the more vehemently he, he parades that he won't, the more I believe he will. And Do you know what? Mm -hmm. Here's another thing. Go on then. Uh, sorry to interrupt your predictions. Uh-huh. Um, you know your LBC that you love so much? The one that has Nigel Farage as a DJ. Well, exactly. This is my thing. I think that they've done something pretty dangerous by having him as a DJ, just spinning the discs. Um, uh -huh. Because he, I heard him on Today today, uh -huh. and he was really good. I so agree. Farage in the past has always been undone by sounding like a mad lunatic screaming insanity. It's funny you should say that. I was thinking the exact same thing. And, I, and again, you know, I always talk about, I don't talk about principles or ethics. I talk about rhetoric in politics. That's the tool you need to get right. And what Farage has done exceptionally well, I noticed in the last couple of days is he's not going on about the traitor judges and so on. He's saying that was a really stupid political thing to do to prorogue parliament. It puts us in the wrong position where we were the ones promoting democracy, et cetera, et cetera. I thought, Wow, this guy is suddenly getting mm. good, good PR advice. Yeah. I wonder whether being on LBC and and hearing all these speakers call up has kind of battle tested him. I think just sitting in front of a microphone and talking uh, on the regular is, is has given him immense training. So I heard it when he sounded like a 
almost statesman like calm thoughtful analysis analysis and analyst sorry there uh-huh. we go uh of the situation he didn't sound like a frothing racist which is what he is oh no he's not he's not he's an advent he's he's a businessman he's complicated he, yeah. ta- he knows how to take advantage of frothing racism, yeah, yeah. racism. um but yeah he he didn't sound anything like the Farage of the past. And I thought, oh gosh, this is, this is bad. He sounds so, so it's, sensible right now, even funny, though what I, he was saying was awful. It's he funny, said I, it so sensibly and calmly. I haven't vocalized that, but I've thought the exact same thing over the last few days. And I was wondering where that would lead us, but I, I agree. It's, it's not a good development, is it? No. And yet Johnson's not learning at all. No, and you don't. It seems that you don't actually need to learn to get anywhere. Maybe Farage will start putting off his base by sounding sensible and not the fro- like a frothing racist. I think no, because I think what he needs is he needs the Brexit Party to become the de facto Tory Party, mm-hmm. and this is his pivot. And again, he's very smart because you know when they offered to do the the allegiance, and Johnson said some very insulting things about them. Uh huh. Um, their response wasn't to say, "Well, you, stuff you." Then their response is, his, "He said, and we extend that olive branch to them again today." And, you know, he was very, you know, magnanimous about it. It's like he's learning from Jesus. <laughs> Maybe Don't. wouldn't you feel? Wouldn't you feel stupid if Nigel Farage suddenly walked into town on the back of an ass, and you realised, <laughs> oh no. It's the second coming. He did say it would be the person you least expected, John. That's true. But then he did also say that about, you know, Satan. <laughs> so. so we're saying that Nigel Farage is definitely either Jesus or Satan. We're just not sure which one yet. Time shall tell. <laughs> Time shall tell. Oh, my goodness. It's funny. If you, it's, I remember very early on the podcast, we talked about the UK Independence Party as if it were this small, weird little ragtag that really was just... Well, it amusing. is. Its own leader didn't turn up to its party conference. No, I mean that in the metonym of what it became sure. and is. Yeah. Uh, I do enjoy... The UKIP is very entertaining. To, uh, that it, it's the new BMP to laugh at. What are they doing these days? Well, that's it. They, they, they said their own leader didn't show up to the conference. Save the pound. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Farage is a canny fellow, isn't he? Uncannily canny. Yeah. It's all a bit rum, which is appropriate because this podcast is rum doings. Those are is my it? predictions. Yeah. yeah, it is. What's your prediction then? Come on then. Will we um, be... Will we be Brexited by October the 31st. No, this year. absolutely, definitely not. Why not? I still harbour my secret belief that we will end up revoking Article 50. I still think that's going to happen. I kind of hope it will, but it... it it's it, certainly not in the hands of Joe Swinton. <laughs> it'll be the most rational thing to happen, but whether that means it will, I don't know. I think more likely is that we will Brexit and then we'll fudge our way back into the European Union about five, ten years later. That's My naive belief remains that eventually at some point, I know... Remains, you see, remain, remains, 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 history, is egg, 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 remain. <laughs> Good work. Mm. Um, and I have said this before, but I still can't help but have this feeling that the grown-ups will eventually just burst back into the room. 
What have you children been... Look at the state of this room. What do you think you've been doing for Put everything sake? back in the drawer and go and wash your hands now. <laughs> I love that we clearly have both said this for real. Yes. <laughs> like the time we walked into the spare room and to found that Toby was in the European Union. Yes. Oh, for goodness sake. To find Toby and two of his friends had pulled every book off the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. The size of the bookshelf is the length of the wall and the height of the room. Mm-hmm. Had pulled every single book off and put them in a giant pile, and then started tearing everything they could find to tear. Oh, brilliant! This was, I think, Toby was just turned four. I think at this. Well, point. that's a that's a creative thing to do. They'd found Laura's pile of old schoolwork. And tore it to shreds. It's the naughtiest thing Toby has ever done. Did you? Uh, did you give him a slap? No, he did not. Why not? Spoil the rod, kill the child. That's right. As I often explain to Toby, children should neither be seen nor heard, <laughs> nor exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what they say in Japan these days. <laughs> Is it? Yes. That's why they have the lowest birth rate in the history of humanity. Oh, I see. Which is a bit of a problem when you're also massively xenophobic and won't allow any uh, immigration. That's why they're inventing robots to look after the old people. You racist. You're, at least I think they're human, John. <laughs> I have no, I've never suggested that the Japanese people aren't human. And I, I am, take great umbrage at the suggestion that I've said otherwise. Mm, I think we, we, we know. We know. So, so yeah, we... Uh, I don't we... have any other predictions. I don't know. Everything is so bonkers that to predict that anything would be madness. I felt January... absolutely certain that the Supreme Court would come down yeah, in favour of the government. Because, of course, they would. Because that's how everything works now. Everything's gone so utterly bonkers, bananas, crazy. Yeah. And but also... Of course they would say, yes, we're not going to get involved, blah, blah, blah. So, of yeah. course, I was certain enough to tweet that out and then... People enraged with me for being wrong. Imagine being wrong, Nick. Imagine if someone uh, were wrong. Uh, but no, uh, and 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 it was the rational thing to presume. Is what everybody was mm. really presuming in legal circles. They thought, well, they'll uh, they they. What I actually thought would happen was that they would say it's not judiciable, but I wish it were because actually he has behaved badly, and it's for Parliament to deal with that fact. In other words, we don't have the power to 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 slap him on the wrists, but we wish we did. And I thought that that's effectively what they would have said. But I was very surprised by the u- the unanimity was a thing that surprised me the most because there were some, a couple of very, very conservative judges on that panel. But it's, I am impressed with the British judiciary, actually, whenever I've encountered Obviously, I've got relatives who are in it, but I've, I've been in, impressed by it doesn't kind of matter how fox-huntingly conservative or, or otherwise they are in, in, in real life. Once they put on their judicial robes, they do seem to become different people. And I've seen it happen many times. And it's, it's, it's a, an impressive institution um, that somehow has remained as such. And, you know, we are lucky to have it. Ask anybody who's in a country where the judiciary is easily bought out and is timid. And that's, oh, usually, gosh, yes. that's usually where things begin to fall apart. And that's why it really pisses me off when people like you make Reese Mogg mm. go, go on about that because it's it is a genuinely dangerous thing to start. It's astoundingly fomenting. dangerous. Yes, 
for a conservative that's based on the Burkean rule of law as well. It's, it's, it's just beggar's belief that, that, that he would do that sort of thing. Uh, somebody who pretends to be a, a great respecter of historicity and the traditions of this country, uh, speaking as if he's some fomenting trot about the elitist judges, is just unbelievable. No, it's totally believable. Ugh, your Not MP. Okay. Now, your did MP. you watch the unfolding of events? So, like that person who put on Twitter, anyone who this MP represents should be ashamed of themselves. It's like, I don't think you understand how politics works. It is. You, you, I think you should be ashamed. Are you ashamed of yourself? Yeah, I'm absolutely ashamed of myself for voting against that ghastly man. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so did you watch this unfolding on the BBC or some other means? Um, I, I tried to watch the... Uh, I tried to watch the Supreme Court's direct feed, but it broke. So it broke then, for everyone. No, no, it actually just was spinning. It wasn't even the, the direct oh, okay. sound. Uh, then I presumed that my computer's sound had broken. <laughs> I was very annoyed. I started closing all windows. Oh, this is the time for the uh, sound driver to go screwy. And then, of uh-huh. course, we found that that was just utter incompetence by the people who ran the sound stuff at the Supreme Court. I'd uh, argue that the Supreme Court possibly couldn't have expected that much web demand. <laughs> and then I, and then I, um, and then I was watching it through. There was a feed in the Guardian's feed, which I thought would be less likely to be interrupted by some Radio 5 Live idiot asking Mary from Bermondsey what she thought of what was going on, which is what has happened before. So that's what mm-hmm. I did. How did, how did you? So I watched uh, the BBC's BBC News Channel feed. Did Mary from Bermondsey interrupt? She didn't because they don't allow. They had some, they did have some Vox, but they went to Stoke-on-Trent for some Vox Pops. Right. And brilliant. it was some BBC Young Reporter initiative. Was it? And the oh, girl doing God. the report did, oh, God. did a great job. She was fine. But the people they'd lined up to ask, the first person they asked, and I'm not exaggerating, he couldn't speak. That sounds and, ableist I don't know whether to he me. Was, I don't know whether he was mentally ill. Um, and, 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 and that's not the issue. The issue was he literally just couldn't speak. So they held a microphone in front of his mouth and he just went, uh, 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 just get on with it. Oh, God. And it was, yeah. So that was odd. But here's the thing. So my friend Reverend Stu watched, watched this all playing out on Sky. Yes. And so um, some, there was, and, and he really, I really feel he missed out because if you don't watch these things on BBC News, you miss out on a lot. Like, uh-huh. for instance, I'm just looking at the IM chat. Um, I said the angry Tory who appeared to be declaring war against the Supreme Court was losing his mind because he could hear his own voice in his ear. And he's having absolute <laughs> conniptions about this. And then they cut him off while he carried on talking in the background. So they went, I'm really sorry, we've got to cut in because, and then he just carried on talking. Blah, 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 blah. I did hear that. Yes. The angry, the angry Tory. Yes. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And then they cut to give it to a live speech with no audio. <laughs> To cut him off to listen to a, a, another lady. So I think it was the, the SMP lady outside yes. of the Supreme Court talking in silence while you could hear Derbyshire go, <sighs> which was great. And then mid when they got the audio back for her, Derbyshire cuts in again going, no, I'm not going back to... <laughs> Over the top of it. That's extraordinary. I mean, I don't understand... Do you remember when the BBC used to be quite good at broadcasting? Yes, I do. Then, okay, there was another bit later on. Uh huh. So they're interviewing Chakrabarti at the Labour conference. Ugh. Yep. I know. 
um, before she got completely drunk and <laughs> did another one of these. Uh-huh. She was quite sober during this one. Uh-huh. Um, and she was chatting away. Um, and then they suddenly, they were asking her a question. She was listening. And then they got to the end of the question and then announced that they'd lost the line to her. And then she said, audibly said, no, you haven't. I'm here. <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> At which point they cut away from her anyway to interview a lady who was choking on a drink and couldn't speak. Oh, my goodness. It was so great. Are you telling me that uh, Sky was more professional? I didn't watch Sky, but no, apparently but... they weren't making these, dull, these these entertaining inputs. Oh, dear. Why was he watching Sky, then? I think just to avoid watching BBC coverage. He wanted some competence. Poor old Stu, though. Um, this ruling really does put back Scottish nationalism a bit because I predicted that if this court had ruled against effectively uh, dissing the Scottish court, it would have been played by London London judges, squash, uh, Scottish court, etc., etc. That's how the, the 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 Scottish nationalists would have played it, and now they can't. And I think I actually said something. I said if, if this will be the first stepping stone to the final uh, inevitable dissolution of the union, if they if they quash the Scots in this, I think they they've got plenty. I think they've got plenty that they don't need to worry too much about that right now. It's not doing that well in the polls, actually. It never has. No, the Scots nationalists at the moment. You think it would be doing very well? It's not actually. Well, not I think well. that might do, do something to do with the fact that Nicola Sturgeon is wildly incompetent. Hmm. It is interesting. It just have some effect on the matter. Oh. I'm tired of all this. Can't we just get on with it? Can't we just stop kicking the can down the road? Ugh. Shall we end Do you know here? what the worst thing about this is? That we haven't ended this podcast yet. No, this podcast is the best thing about it. The worst thing well, is... It's better the than free... the BBC's Brexit cast. Just because you, you don't like Chris Mason, you racist. I don't know who those people are. Whoever they are, they're terrible. People, you don't like radio... people who talk with marbles in their mouths. Radio bloke. <laughs> it's Chris Mason from off of um, uh, PM. It's not. It's, it's him and his posse. It was so posse. I was surprised how posse like it was. That's what Laura Coombsberg turns up for a bit, then has to go because she's got to go on the Andrew Neil show. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Um, with... No, I was saying a thing. What was I saying? You were saying that, uh, yes, you were. The, the worst oh, thing. Oh, no, this is annoying. You said the worst thing, and I said the worst thing is this podcast hasn't ended, and I was right. Is, I remembered the worst thing is the frequency with which, and I blame Brexit purely for this, mm-hmm. is the frequency with which I'm hearing the words moving forward. I... You were well ahead of the curve on the anti-moving forward. I, I find that surprising because I, every time I hear that, I have the per, I have the person culled. So I was hoping. <laughs> I think it would eventually, yeah, you know, rot its way out. But no, yeah. it's everyone says it all the time in all contexts, and it never adds anything to a sentence. No, it's and you can tell somebody is a dullard if they use operating it. within chronological time. Yeah, or or why don't you say from now on, or in the future, yeah. or after this? That's my point. Or... Not even saying a sentence that has no. that as a thing. It's not even necessary. They just say ne- They just mean next. 
the next event that will occur is because if there were another direction in which we could experience reality yeah yeah i I agree but i like to find these lazy tropes because what it means if people repeat them frequently is that they have a dull mind that doesn't question the underpinnings of our mimetic reality and that means i can probably exploit them and pick their rhetorical pockets <laughs> got to pick a pocket or two boy you got to pick a pocket or two you'd make an excellent jew i would it's a pity i haven't You're very foolish i think it is time to say goodbye to everybody in the um the excellent i recommend if anyone wants to be cheered up by for a bit they should watch between two ferns the movie on the netflix yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know funny. if it survived cancel culture. <laughs> it has. Um, I texted you the excellent Paul Rudd. Yeah, bit. that was good. I watched the Dave Chappelle thing, and it wasn't it wasn't nearly provocative enough. It was, I'm sorry. It was oh no, he's really gone. But no, he hasn't. It was banal, banal mm. rubbish. Paul Rudd tells an excellent joke in that episode. No spoilers, says, mate. No spoilers. It's in the outcut. It's in the outtakes at the end, mm. and which is I'm, a spoiler. I'm going to do a spoiler. Mm-hmm. It says, "What does a Jewish man say when he walks into a wall with a full erection?" I don't know. Ow, my nose. Ah, See? I get it. I get it. Do you get it? Yeah, I'll I read something it because Jake- it was racist and had the word erection in it i like it um i'm gonna review something jacob reese mogg the leader of the commons reportedly described the supreme court judgment as a constitutional coup when cabinet ministers spoke on a conference call last night this morning in an interview on sky news michael gobe the cabinet officer refused to deny the story sky sarah jane me asked him three times if the reports about what reese mogg said were wrong and each time gove sidestepped the question when she asked a fourth time, he replied, I don't recognise that language at all. This sounds like a denial, but actually it isn't. It is a well-known formula frequently used by politicians at the moment when they want to sound as if they are denying a story, but don't feel comfortable saying it is untrue. The justification for using the phrase is that the reality of what happened was rather different from the way it was reported. But what is true of almost any event reported secondhand as seen by someone who was involved in person. So that is quite clever. So at least he's using certain rhetorical tools. But in refusing to answer a question four times, I think that tool is probably too blunted. So there we are. I think um, that he should have just said, I don't, I'm afraid I don't have that quote in front of me. That's, yeah. that's always a good line. Yes, or or I'd need to see it in context. I don't know the context here. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard any of them say anything quite that clever. No, they I'm do. Afraid they, say, I haven't, just, they just say, I'm afraid I haven't heard his saying that or yeah, him saying that. But what if, but, no, but, but clearly Gove has, uh, probably like maybe he didn't, constitutional coup, coup and maybe Maurice Mogg actually said a coup of the constitution, said actually I literally didn't hear those words in that precise order with those punctuation marks there. Sorry. Mm, yes. I think you do have to say goodbye now. You all okay? Gerrymander.
Oh, saucy. <laughs> Sounded like, like John Shuttleworth, then it made me very happy. That's what we need. Uh, sadly, I'm sure John Shuttleworth would have been a Brexiteer. <laughs> yes, but I assume Graham Fellows would not. Yeah, that's and that's the point. And maybe that's the point. Okay. Ta-da. All right, love you. Bye. Bye.